Welcome to Signal from the Noise by Podcast Notes, the best ideas from the world's best podcasts in minutes. Please enjoy the notes from the number 216, Vincent Ricaniello, Viruses and Vaccines, Lex Friedman Podcast Episode of Artificial Intelligence Podcast. Understanding the Origins of Viruses There are more viruses in one liter of coastal seawater than there are people on Earth. There are orders of magnitude more bacterial viruses in the ocean alone than people in the world. Viruses have life cycles of minutes to weeks. Viruses were likely the first organic molecules to appear on Earth. Reverse transcriptase is probably the earliest enzyme that arose to copy RNA to DNA and gave rise to the ability to build big cells. Bacteria are mostly single-cell organisms and don't have the energy to become larger. Life cycle precellular stage self-replication molecules, cells arise. Self-replicating molecules invade the cells, replicate in the cell and steal proteins to build a shell, released as virus particles, moving from host to host. Viruses can diversify to infect anything because they can break into cells and steal proteins. Hosts take longer to change and adapt than viruses. Viruses can be good and bad. We're full of viruses that don't hurt us and can even help us. Most viruses we don't worry about because they can't infect us. We should worry most about viruses from bats, rodents, and birds. To learn more, check out Ricaniello's lecture What is a Virus? What is a virus? A virus is a parasite. It takes from the host. There is usually not a symbiotic relationship between parasites and hosts. A virus cannot do anything without being inside a cell to take energy and replicate. Categories of viruses, RNA, older, faster evolution, DNA, slow, conservative. Most everything on the planet is DNA-based except viruses. Unlike DNA, we don't know how to manipulate RNA- you have to make a DNA copy of any RNA virus, modify it, and then put it back into cells. RNA viruses are more infectious, faster to evolve, and can infect any host. Even just one genome might be right for infecting a person if it ever encounters someone. RNA viruses operate at the threshold of error, the measurement of genetic information that must be maintained to ensure survival. Even one additional mutation will kill the virus. Most viruses have attachment mechanisms, except for viruses of yeast and fungi. A virus-infected cell is alive but the particle itself would not do anything without a cell. We often see deadly viruses that are not highly transmissible Ebola, rabies, and less deadly viruses that are highly transmissible but rarely highly transmissible and highly deadly. Viruses want to replicate and spread but if they killed you too fast, that wouldn't happen. Quote, I think viruses have strong selection pressure against being lethal and against being more transmissible. Vincent Ricaniello Viruses really started spreading more rapidly as humans lived more densely in cities. What can kill us? Quote, the things that can kill you are a minority of everything that's out there. Vincent Ricaniello We have proteins that can kill us within our bodies if they misfold and replicate that way. Viruses and bacteria can cause infection in us, most we know how to treat. Some viruses have been shown to change host behavior in order to spread. Fungi can multiply at a microscopic level, and we can inhale spores if immunosuppressed. Parasites can invade humans and cause various levels of disruption. We usually acquire parasites through food. Toxoplasmosis is most concerning for pregnant women who can give birth to deformed infants, 
but it comes from raw food. Be careful about food and water when traveling, particularly when going overseas. The most careful way to avoid parasites when traveling is to only eat cooked foods, for example no salad, no raw fruits, no sushi etc. Dash, but we can treat most parasites. The most lethal virus is rabies. Rabies will kill you if unvaccinated, but the rabies vaccine is the only vaccine that's therapeutic, can be given after exposure because the disease takes time to develop. We do immunize wild animals for rabies to reduce the incidence of rabies in the wild. COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 is the virus, COVID-19 is the disease. Quote, this is probably a once-in-a-hundred-years pandemic, Vincent Ricaniello. SARS-CoV-1 versus SARS-CoV-2 SARS-CoV-1, the peak of shedding, spreading virus, happened after patients were already in the hospital. There was not much pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic shedding. SARS-CoV-2, shedding and transmission before symptoms develop, if symptoms ever develop. We should have had antivirals ready for coronaviruses after SARS-CoV-1 but stopped studies and research because that immediate concern was gone. SARS-CoV-2 is a coronavirus with spike proteins in membranes to attach to cells and are viruses with the longest known RNAs. SARS-CoV-2 genome is different from SARS-CoV-1 even though both bind to ACE1. You can use animal models to look at shedding and transmission of the virus, but no animals have died from COVID-19 so information is limited. SARS-CoV-2 is extremely long so more difficult to do basic experiments on the virus. Building a vaccine or antiviral drug requires you to figure out how to attack various targets and structural parts of the virus, usually target is an enzyme. Families of viruses, coronavirus versus influenza. General similarities, membranes, spike proteins, but different spikes. Viruses with RNA can have three different types of RNA dash plus, minus, plus slash minus. Plus, ribosomes latch onto plus RNA to make protein. Negative, has to copy first or it won't make proteins. Plus slash minus, a combination of plus and minus. Main differences, coronaviruses are RNA plus, starts infectious cycle right away, while influenzas are RNA, can't be translated once they get into the cell, influenza is segmented while coronaviruses are in one piece. Influenza viruses vary widely in lethality. Quote, we will never exterminate influenzas because every shorebird in the world is infected with them. Vincent Ricaniello. Types of vaccines. The general goal of a vaccine is to deploy something in the body that is close to an actual virus but doesn't have the same harmful effects. Egg replicated, grow the virus in egg then inject. Replication competent, virus reproduces in you, select for mutations that don't cause disease but elicit immune response, for example polio, measles, mumps, rubella. Vector vaccine, use viruses that won't make you sick, for example adenovirus, deliver proteins of virus you want to prevent. mRNA, protect RNA in lipid capsule and inject, lipid nanoparticles get injected into the muscle and taken up into the cell. Low efficacy of flu vaccines. Flu vaccines are based on inactivated virus vaccines, which aren't very close to actual influenza and reduce the efficacy. Sign versus symptom. Symptom perception lived experience of what you feel, i.e., sore throat, stomachache. Sign, what can be measured to tell you more about infection? 
Polio vaccine was a letdown because so many kids got paralyzed as a side effect, it wasn't properly inactivated. Discussing vaccine hesitancy. Many people are afraid because mRNA is a relatively new technology. There's a natural distrust of the government enforcing vaccines, there's an individualist spirit to Americans resisting overreach of government. A major concern seems to be less about long-term effects and more about the misrepresentation of data which has created mistrust, and leads to conspiracies and a sense of what are they hiding? Clinical trials data is public, should be trusted because once you start fabricating data at this scale, inconsistencies would be easy to pick up. It makes sense that our for-profit medical system will come with hesitancy. It's strange we don't seem to have the same concern about pharmaceuticals as we do about vaccines and antivirals. The good thing about mRNA is it doesn't last forever and certainly not as long as DNA. Proteins made after RNA gets into cell also have a finite lifespan of a few weeks at best. It's injected deep into the deltoid muscle so it doesn't go into blood vessels for widespread circulation. Spread in mice only happened at 1000x dose given. mRNA codes for the spike. The one thing we know about spike protein is it can cause fusion of cells but the spike in the vaccine has been modified to avoid fusion. The best test of vaccine is putting it in people most effects of vaccine you will see within a couple of months. The truth is we don't know anything with 100% certainty, you have to weigh the effects of vaccine versus the effects of the virus. It's one thing to have concerns about the vaccines, it's another thing to put out misinformation and things that are flat out untrue. Maybe the way forward should have been slash should be here's the vaccine, available to those who want it, and let's move on. Will vaccines enable creation of stronger strain of COVID? Remember, viruses are always mutating. Natural infection and vaccination select for variants by inducing immunity. Mutations at the core of variants were always there, vaccine or natural infection did not create them. Any single mutation, even just one genome might be right for infecting a person if it ever encounters that person. We can create a vaccine that protects against all variants, people who have had natural immunity, been infected with SARS-CoV-2, plus one dose of the vaccine have a more robust immune response against all strains versus those who have both doses of vaccine. It's worth investigating whether we should be mixing and matching the vaccines instead of getting all doses from one brand. Antivirals for COVID-19. Discussions of ivermectin were censored from YouTube. Ivermectin is FDA-approved off-label and is safe at the approved levels. Current COVID treatment in some places a combination of remdesivir, dexamethasone, ivermectin. It's possible that more money was put into vaccines versus pharmaceuticals because vaccines offer long-term relief versus pharmaceuticals which protect at the moment. Hydroxychloroquine is an antimalarial that blocks infection with a lot of viruses, but it has no effect on the lung because the virus can bypass it. Hydroxychloroquine scientifically could not work for COVID but it's possible that the narrative around hydroxychloroquine drove the conspiracy feelings around ivermectin. By the time you are in the hospital with COVID, you probably can't breathe and the problem is now inflammatory, no antiviral will help because it's used late. You need a pill shortly after your first positive test quickly after your first sore throat, it's too late by the time you get to the hospital. We have to reduce the resurgence of resistance by having a cocktail of antivirals available. Ins and outs of COVID-19 testing. Polymerase chain reaction PCR tests 
measures viral RNA load diagnostic which measures whether you have bits of RNA in you to test infection. In the early days, no matter what level of cycle threshold you had you would be quarantined which was incorrect because you aren't shedding at every level. Antigen tests look for proteins that the virus is making. Antigen tests would have been perfect for daily testing, though they have more errors but you could test more frequently to get the picture of what's going on. Antigen testing would still be valuable to widely manufacture and distribute to prevent transmission. In future pandemics, we need a rapid antigen test right off the bat. Most people don't have an objection to testing, it would be a great solution. There's economic pressure against testing because they're so cheap and won't make a lot of money, we also have vaccines so testing will be a tougher sell. Mass and transmissibility of COVID-19 COVID-19 is transmitted through the air, when you talk, you expel droplets with virus. Big droplets fall to the ground, little droplets can go far but probably don't have enough virus to infect. Quote, 80% of transmissions are done by 20% of infected people, Vincent Ricaniello. You can't replicate droplet transmission in real life, so we use epidemiology which makes it harder to develop solutions. Some epidemiological experiments have been done with virus-free droplets and masks, so mask-wearing is largely based on models. We lack a good understanding of how well masks work which has led to the politicization of mask-wearing altogether. There's a division that's been created in mask-wearing because the narrative has been so bad, flip-flopping by WHO and CDC, lack of clarity in types of masks, etc. COVID-19 in kids it's possible the larger narrative in increasing vaccines is to protect kids who have no say in the matter of what's happening. If children get infected, they will get less sick but it's not zero consequences. It's arguable there should be an effort to increase vaccinations as kids go back to school to protect the children since they have no say in what's happening. The reality is we don't know about the long-term effects of the vaccine or long COVID in kids. Reports of long COVID in kids, GI dysfunction, cognitive haze, respiratory distress. Critiques of Dr. Fauci and balancing COVID. Communication to the public was flubbed. Fauci lacks authenticity and seems like he's not speaking to the fullest truth and with authority. The reality is no one is an authority on this new virus. There should have been more openness about the origins of the virus. Fauci is uneasy going against the mainstream ideas or even having tough conversations, owning up to mistakes, acknowledging what we don't know, etc. There are atrocities all around the world. We care about COVID right now because that's where the attention is. Are we overreacting? There's a significant increase in distrust of science. Even if some of the mishandling is not Fauci's fault, there has to be a leader that falls on the sword. That wraps up the notes for this episode. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. Don't forget to go to podcastnotes.org and subscribe to our free newsletter. The Top 10 Ideas of the Week. Every Monday.